Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining me. It is that time of day where I am joined by some additional smart people to have a conversation about some of the issues you and I have been talking about on The Rush this afternoon. Today's guest, Faye Johnstone, co-owner and executive director of consulting firm Wisdom to Action, and Tim Powers, chairman of Summa Strategies and the managing director of Abacus Data. It's budget day in Toronto. We got Olivia Chow's update on the budget uh, that had originally been presented by City Hall staff and her hand-picked budget chief, Shelley. Carol, we've talked a lot with our listeners over the course of the afternoon, and we're going to continue to do that in the five o'clock hour about the contents of it. But I wanted to ask you guys about what you think of where Olivia Chow landed. I'll call it politically, but I guess it's sort of a, a PR type question. She brought the uh, tax number that had been floated as high as 16.5%. Certainly 10.5% was the actual property tax increase that was presented. Uh, proposed by city staff. We're now under the double digits at nine and a half. I'll start with you, Tim Powers. What's your take on what she did today, sort of generally in this, her first personal budget? Well, she was consistent in what she said she was going to do, Deb. Um, Now, that consistency apparently comes with a fairly hefty price. She's come forward with, uh, what is it, nine and a half percent property tax increase. Uh, She says that money is going to go to transit and other public works services. Um, The old adage in politics, as you and I both know, is to get the bad news out of the way first, do the hardest things you got to do first, uh, make the people feel the pain first. So she's done all of that. The challenge will be, you know, as the PR, what, what, what's the lasting memory of this going to be? And, you know, are all these infrastructure projects, these investments going to be up running or in, uh, running in enough of a capacity in four years time that uh, people uh, are satisfied that with what she did and figured there was a positive outcome. But I think right now it's a, it's a tough one because as we often talk about on this show, uh, everybody's getting pinched from just about every conceivable angle on affordability. So you've got to give her credit, I guess, for guts moving forward with it now. But what will the price be? Yeah, and Faye Johnstone, I mean, one of my concerns, aside from the the actual percentage increase on taxes as a property taxpayer here, which is running about triple the rate of inflation for 2024, Faye, is that I don't see any, she said she had to make the tough decisions after, you know, years of people avoiding the tough decisions, but I don't see any evidence of tough decisions that would mean that next year I have any hope that my property tax bill isn't going to be as much of an increase as this year. And I think you're not wrong there, right? Like, she really emphasized that she's not willing to cut services, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But I do think she's trying to unlock additional resources to put towards long-term infrastructure issues. I do want to name that Scott Reed totally called it when he said they're going to float a bigger number, come in with a slightly lower one, and hope folks don't get too angry about it. And I guess we're going to see how that pulls off for her. Yeah, I mean, last night when this broke, uh, I went home and uh, CP24 was on in the background. Gotta love my kids. They've grown up with uh, current <laughs> events. And so that was what was on TV when I got home for the kids. Um, but, you know, celebrating, a, you know, big news, taking it down to nine and a half percent. And I'm like, in what world are we celebrating nine and a half percent? 
It's insane. However, I'll move on. (laughs) No, but it is crazy. You're right, right? Like, we're so, I mean, that's almost back to the Martin Crutchan deficit days when, oh, they only have a a $45 billion deficit. It's great. It's way higher than that now, too. But, yeah, it's 9.5% is nothing to celebrate. I just uh, had a chat with uh, Toronto Star reporter at City Hall, Ben Spur, about the World Cup and the costs associated with that. We find out this weekend uh, how many games Toronto will actually get. But the current you know, proposal has us in and around five games, maybe more, and has us at about a $300 million tab. City of uh, Toronto had obviously hoped to see money from the feds and the province. We now know that the province has ponied up $97 million, but a lot of strings attached to it, first and foremost being the feds have to pony up. Uh, Tim Powers, your thought on whether the feds will actually pony up, or I guess it doesn't matter if you're a, a federal, provincial, and Toronto taxpayer, it doesn't really matter, but uh, it may be a bigger ticket item for the city of Toronto. Oh, have you ever been to? I, I, I've not been to the Soccer World Cup. I've been to the Olympics, the Rugby World Cup, uh, and I can tell you uh, these events are getting more and more and more expensive. So what they're telling you in 2024 is probably nowhere near what the cost is going to be in 2026, uh, unless they miraculously find a way to deliver uh, the biggest event in the world, which the World Cup of Soccer is more uh, more efficiently. efficiently. That's not to say it's not going to put a ton of money into Toronto, but I think, um, yeah, the province has to have a pretty, and the city, a pretty airtight agreement uh, to make sure they're not holding a disproportionate amount of the bag here. And if the feds don't come to the table, that's a major issue. You go look at Vancouver, the last probably biggest set of games we held in Canada, the Vancouver 2010 Olympics. Um, Ottawa wrote a big check then, and they were very involved, as was BC. Uh, That's the formula. That's the only thing that will work to make this financially manageable, never mind sustainable. That's probably not possible. Faye Johnstone, do you see the feds coming to the table on this? I mean, we we talk all the time about the fact that they have almost every seat in this city, and yet, man, it was pulling teeth to get uh, refugee money out of them until the 11th hour. Uh, you know, I think if, if Toronto area liberal MPs uh, want to stop... Um, Uh, I think they need to, right? Like, it is a world-class event. Toronto's a world-class city. And I think given the ongoing battles between the municipality and the feds, uh, it would be a good time for them to get some good news and show that they're partnering with the city and the province to make this happen. So I had a little rant earlier this afternoon in the two o'clock hour about the fact that I tried to mail just a, a simple set of documents, not a big package, nothing outlandish uh, to my hometown of Listowel, to my parents' lawyers. I'm working on their estate. It was guaranteed one to two business days would be there. I I dropped it off Tuesday night because the UPS store had just closed and I missed it. I paid $43. They didn't deliver it. I checked with UPS this morning. It would have cost me $20 with UPS. They do guarantee their delivery unless there's a major uh, weather event. So I just, I went to the phones. I asked people their experience about Canada Post. Like, is there any point of us still having Canada Post, Tim Powers? I, I'm, I'm not joking here. I'm telling you, I got one lady who called in. I'm off now on a second version of my rant. But I, I got one lady who called in. She's moved to a new location in rural Ontario. There's a two-year waiting list for her to get a mailbox in the local post office. 
And I said, well, where's your mail go? She said, well, if I'm lucky, it's in the post office. Like she literally has no ability to easily collect her mail. Is it time for it to go now? (laughs) Well, I think in in your parents' hometown and other small places, they probably need it unless, as you say, UPS, PureLater, others can cover PureLater owned by Canada Post. But look, I have a friend, you'll love this, who is the postmistress of Fogo Island, a very famous Fogo Island. Yeah. I occasionally buy stuff there from an artist and give it, give it as gifts. The only way I know that I'll get it is if she herself touches it, because if I go through the regular Canada Post system, it may be 80 days around the world and back with Felius Fog before it gets to where it needs to go, particularly in small places, and this is where they're supposed to be good. So I'm halfway there with you, Deb. Faye Johnstown, I mean, I'm not going to use them anymore for actual packages. Why would I? Oh, and I, I can't fault you there. Uh, I don't have a hot take on Canada Post, but I will say I love chatting with my local delivery guy as he comes by and I'm sitting in, out in front of my home having a coffee and I get handed a whole wad of flyers that go right into the recycle. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, especially in small towns and rural communities, we need to make sure folks deserve ready access to mail uh, and they should have their own mailboxes. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Faye Johnson. I've got to do one quick shout out to the Canada Post. I know you're about to go to commercial. I'll shout out John the Postman, who delivers my mother's email. I mail her beer from here, so I'm breaking a crime. John will actually carry the case of beer from the post office to my mother. So there you go. There are some good things about Canada Post, like John the Postman and beer delivery man in St. John. Yeah, okay. You know he's getting a beer for uh, sending it to your mom. beer from my mother for doing that, yes. (laughs) That's Tim Powers, Chairman of Suma Strategies, Managing Director of Abacus Data, and Faye Johnstone, Co-Owner and Executive Director of Consulting Firm Wisdom to Action. They'll be with me after the break, and we will discuss Service Ontario. Are you not sick of Staples and Service Ontario? Well, we'll try it one more time. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm your guest host this week, Deb Hutton. Just a reminder that a half an hour from now, I'm going to be joined by former Mayor John Tory to get his take on today's budget announcement from Olivia Chow, get a breakdown of what he thinks about the tax hike and as well uh, some of the additional spending that has been included in this particular round of the budget works leading up to that special value. Valentine's present of a, a an agreed-upon budget for the City of Toronto on February the 14th. Right now, though, I am joined by two of our smart speakers, Faye Johnstone, who is the co-owner and executive director of consulting firm Wisdom to Action, and Tim Powers, chairman of Summa Strategies and the managing director of Abacus Data. The other guest I have in the 5 o'clock hour is relatively newly minted Ontario Liberal leader Bonnie Crombie. Earlier today, she wrote a letter to the Premier on the day that a half dozen uh, staple stores will now be hosting Service Ontario locations. Uh, I, I'll go over her letter uh, with her after the 5 o'clock news and ask her what her concerns on uh, on this issue are. But I'll tell you guys, and, and I'm not playing partisan, Deb, here. I truly, I'm good at playing partisan, Deb, but I truly <laughs> am having a hard time understanding why people have their shorts in a knot about the move of Service Ontario. I'm going to start with you, Faye, but here's my take on it. These are not government-run Service Ontario centres that are moving to Staples. These are 
privately operated service Ontario centres that are moving to a different private sector entity. This is not the first company that the government has partnered with. In fact, way back in 2010, under a different government, they opened their first Service Ontario Centre in a Canadian Tire facility. So if you disagree with me on this, tell me, Faye, I just don't know what the issue is. You know, you, you make a good point. I think my worry is is the sole sourcing component and the fact that, you know, Doug Ford has gone around touting, you know, $1 million in savings. And, you know, for something at this scale, a $1 million is, is a drop in the bucket. And he just seems to trot it out every time as an excuse when he himself has historically opposed sole source contracts. The lack of transparency, especially after the Greenbelt scandal, uh, is a source of concern and a pattern with this government to me. So, so is 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 your concern? Hey, you've done something I didn't like before, so I'm suspicious about that. Or is there an actual tangible that concerns you about this? Because as I said, I am struggling. We've we've talked about this with our listeners. I've talked about this uh, with the the minister himself when he announced this a couple of weeks ago. Like, what what is your concern, or is it a general? I'd like to know more because I might be concerned. It is the lack of transparency more than anything else. Um, you know, I am a big fan of publicly owned and operated public service services. So I would, you know, love to see more of that. And that's maybe my own political bias showing through. Uh, but it is the lack of concern uh, and the fact that they are the lack of transparency and the fact that they haven't followed up with any more information. Tim Powers, where are you on this topic? <laughs> Uh, you had to wake me up. What's the topic? Yeah, I mean, my God, like, look, your beloved, your beloved Canada Post, Deb, has been in Chopper's Drug Mart and other drugstores for ages. Of course, it hasn't made it better, but it's made it more accessible. Like, who cares? No disrespect to Faye, but the, the menu of issues that we have to worry about is much more significant than where Service Ontario is located. And I would hope uh, with you know, them being in Service Ontario, um, Faye will know this here in Ottawa, like you try and go to the Service Ontario kiosk at City Hall. Well, you may as well book most of the day off if you have to go in there for any <laughs> amount of time. If it makes it a bit more efficient, who the hell cares? All right. See, and so I, I would crazy. actually agree. Sorry, you, you know, I think I think I, I would agree. I think the, the degree of fuss that the, the Ontario Liberals are making about this is out of touch with the severity of the issue. I have a concern just around uh, the lack of transparency, and I'm going to stand by that. Uh, but I do think it's been blown out of proportion and better service is better service. Well, I will get a chance to ask Bonnie Crombie about why it, it has become a big issue for her after the five o'clock news. An actual really important issue to to wrap up here today, uh, and that is that the Liberal government has delayed uh, now for the second time the expansion of assisted dying eligibility for those who have a sole diagnosis of mental illness. Of course, if you have a physical diagnosis and there's mental illness that comes with it, you are eligible for medically assisted dying. Um, I think the surprise for many of us is that they have booted it out to 2027. So not yeah. a short-term um, pause, but uh, three years, I will say in a slightly partisan tone, beyond the next election, but maybe I'm yeah. being uncharitable. Faye Johnstone, your take on that? 
You know, I agree with the delay. I think you know, they heard from mental health organizations they're not ready. Uh, I think we need to just give a whole lot more time and attention to the mental health services and systems that folks need. Uh, but I think a delay now makes sense. But I will stand behind an eventual expansion uh, because I think folks who are not, who, whose everyday is struggle and suffer, and who don't have any you know, solutions or interventions that are helping them deserve access to this if all other options are exhausted. So Tim Powers, you know, my, my sort of reaction to the lengthy delay, aside from my slightly partisan shot on the timing, is that there's a reason why provinces are not ready. There's a reason why the medical profession isn't ready. And I don't know if the reason is ever going to be fixed with time. And that is how you make a judgment that someone whose whose diagnosis is a mental illness is in a position to be able to choose medically assisted dying. Like maybe there's not a way to get there. Look, I, I will speak to this from the perspective of someone uh, who is mentally healthy and well now, but has had struggles with mental health and wellness during the course of my life. And thankfully, I've gotten good treatment and good care, and I've been very fortunate. Others are not. And I can tell you quite uh, with, with quite consideration that sometimes mental health uh, is so severe, mental health struggles are so severe that you find yourself in an irremediable position. Um, I agree with Faye. We need to get there. Um, I think we know a lot more about informed consent than we ever have. If it takes a couple more years to get there, good. But I do think um, it cannot be dismissed because right now we don't have a convenient way of assessing uh, how irremediable or not someone's state of mental health may be. Tim, if there's a change in government, do you think we will get there? No. I, I think, unfortunately, this has become such a, it's become an issue of, uh, it's become too binary of an issue uh, in, in politics. And uh, people are thinking that treatment, uh, treatment can work and God help you. It can and it does. And it did for me. And I'm very glad that it did. But some people will go through years and years and years of treatment, medications, pharmacology, consulting, and it will not fix the dire straits they find themselves in. I hope the decision makers, be they liberal, conservative or new Democrats, come to eventually realize that that is a medical fact. So appreciated you uh, both joining me this afternoon. What a fantastic conversation about some issues, some important, some a little less so. Faye Johnstone, co-owner and executive director of consulting firm Wisdom to Action, and Tim Powers, chairman of Summa Strategies and the managing director of Abacus Data. Coming up after the news, Bonnie Crombie, Ontario Liberal Leader on Service Ontario.